eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Scott Bridget, the Bruins win their 58th game of the year tonight, and they clinched the President's Trophy with a 2-1 win over the Blue Jackets. And it was a pretty pretty spirited affair, actually. There was three fights, some, uh, some high hits uh, and whatnot. So your thoughts on, on tonight's win? Yeah, I thought they played down to the Blue Jackets a little bit. Um, you know, it certainly wasn't a dominant game. It wasn't exactly what you would expect from best team versus second worst. But I also never really, like, even when they're down one nothing, even when it was tied, I never really felt like they were in danger of losing. Like, it still felt like they were in enough control that, you know, they're going to find a way to pull it out. Like, had Columbus scored a late winner, I would have been like, Huh. Well, that was pretty surprising. Like it just, it felt like eventually the Bruins were going to win and end up, end up taking till overtime. Um, but yeah, I mean, five on five, I think they're uh, uh, clearly the better team. Uh, you know, the fights I think did help get them going. Like it, game had been pretty flat before that. So, you know, Lauko goes first and has, you know, pretty good fight with, Billy Sweezy, a, a local kid, um, you know, playing in front of friends and family. I noticed a uh, TV caught uh, his his dad's reaction, like standing up and fist pumping with a beer in his hand, um, which is great. Just true Bostonian right there. And then, you know, like you say, you get the high hit on Bergeron. Frederick answers that with a, with a one punch knockout of, um, you know, Poor Columbus. Who was who the Lane Peterson? I just yeah. on his name, but yeah, Lane Peterson, who uh, probably didn't want to drop the gloves there, but you know, kind of had to, and was not up up for uh, Trent Frederick. Um, so yeah, it you know, very far from the Bruins' best game, but did just enough. Like I, I think that's how I would describe is like. They did just enough to beat a team that they obviously should have beaten. Yeah, and I just think that the other storylines, like 
the dynamics of how the game went was more interesting than like than just the score and just um you know they're kind of meh play in other ways like the fact that Trent Frederick was able to stick up for Bergeron and pick really pick the right spot to do it um was you know one of those one of the storylines Lauko I thought um played an important role and he knows exactly what he has to do I I had tweeted that he only played two minutes uh two minutes and 22 seconds after two periods but he already had a fight and three hits and he knows that Hall is coming back. Felino is coming back. You know, Greer could come back into the lineup. And he is fighting for a roster spot. And even when he spoke after the game, he laid out his case a few different times. It was like a thesis, like, okay, this is what I can bring. And I can play Bruins hockey in the playoffs was, you know, kind of paraphrasing what he said. But Basically, if you need a kind of guy like me and and the matchup makes sense where you need someone physical that can add energy, why not throw me in the mix? Uh, I thought he made a good case for himself despite getting fewer minutes because of all the special teams play that happened in the first. Um, And you just see him able to impact the game uh, in a way that other guys to that point had yet to do. Yeah, he has a he has a knack for getting under opponent's skin, which is not something that every player um, can do. Even even when players try to, it's not it's they're not always natural at it, and he seems to be that for them. And when when he got in this fight, Nick Foligno was in the booth with Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley, and I don't know if you guys caught this being at the game, but um, but Foligno was very happy when he saw the when when he saw Lauko drop the gloves and was he called him his nephew and. Um, and I think was, I think Lauko called him his uncle in the post game as yeah, well. So, I don't know. I yeah. don't know the dynamic well, or backstory, but earlier this season, Lauko was the first one who revealed that younger guys were calling him Uncle Nick. So, and yeah. he might he may have even been the one who like originated that. But uh, yeah, so that that's gone back for a while. Yeah. So in any event, he was he, he went on to comment about how he just. Lauko was very well liked in the room and, and how the guys have gravitated towards him. And considering the fact that he hasn't been an everyday player for them this year, I think that speaks a lot to what he's been like in the locker room. And it's interesting to hear because we heard Mark Diver talk about Lauko last, was it last season or earlier this year, or maybe in the summertime, but he just kind of talked about how there was a little bit of a lot. Uh, he needed to add some maturity to his game, I think. And he had some bad injury luck as well in Providence, but I just think there was a lack of maturity and, Maybe we're starting to see see that um, he's gaining that maturity now, and he seems to really have he, he gained confidence in himself and in what he can do at the at the NHL level now. Yeah, I think last year was just extremely tough for him in, in general. Like, just nothing went right, and all kind of seemed to snowball on him. He, you know, before this season when he made the team out of camp, like he talked about how he basically lost all his confidence, like just didn't feel like himself last year and um, really needed just like a total reset over the summer. He went home, he trained differently. He talked to different people. Cause like at one point, you know, going home and like playing in Europe was on the table. Like things had gone so poorly last year. 
Um, and yeah, he kind of rededicated himself, decided, no, like this was still the path he wanted to be on. This was still where he wanted to be. And, you know, he even said like after tonight's game, when I was talking to him that, um, you know, like he, he almost had to kind of like accept what kind of player is going to be in the NHL or, or figure that out and like kind of talk through it. Whereas, you know, when he was younger, like so many guys who even get to the AHL level, like he was a scorer, he put up points, he scored goals. He was used to doing that. And now he finds himself in a situation where his path to the NHL is likely going to be as a fourth liner, as a grinder, as an energy guy, you know, not that he doesn't kill a ton of penalties now, but like that would have to be worked in. And, you know, a lot of young players kind of struggle with coming to terms with the idea that like, that might be my NHL role. You know, I might not score. I might not be a score at the NHL level and doesn't mean he never will be, but for now it's like, that has to be how he breaks in. That has to be how he plays. And he's just really embraced it all year. Um, and now finds himself in a spot where even if he's not in the lineup regularly, it sounds like they're going to keep him around. Like he's going to be part of the NHL roster in the playoffs. You know, Montgomery said as much the other day he was asked, you know, do you see him sticking around or could he go down to Providence and be part of their playoff run? And, you know, I don't think they've 100% decided yet, but Montgomery said, you know, we envision him, as a Bruin and, and staying around. Yeah. I think that what he said in his answer about like his former roles was that like, I used to get 10 chances a night. So, you know, some of those are going to go in, whereas now he has, you know, much fewer chances. Uh, and so he's having to find ways to impact the game a little bit differently. I thought um, it, it's kind of crazy how every single player in the in the Bruins roster has kind of just stepped it up this season, once they understood their role and accepted their role. And and that was one of the things Felino said, as well as Montgomery after the game was, was just how people bought into their roles this season, where sometimes you see guys not accepting it and, and, you know, wanting to be a middle six center and not getting time there, or like uh, just different guys hadn't found their homes last season. Really. If you think about back to like Eric Halla at times Felino's role was, you know, not understood exactly. Um, yeah, there was just different situations last season that you, you didn't really see here uh, this season so far. And yeah, Felino said that one of the reasons why Montgomery has been a successful coach for them this year was because right from the beginning, he was very determined to make sure people understood what he expected from them. And that it just seems like, they were able to buy into the way he wanted to look at things. Before we get to the Bruins clinching the president's trophy, just what that means going forward and, and whatnot and historical implications of winning the president's trophy and whatnot. Were there other takeaways from the, from the game against the blue jackets that you guys wanted to, to touch on? Well, I feel like we haven't really touched on the defenseman at all. Um, and obviously some defensive rotation as well. Girls like out of the lineup, Zaboro Clifton um, was a pair that didn't get all that much ice time. They're, I mean, they're not a, a pair that gets a lot of special teams time. Um, and I don't know. I just, 
figured, well, first of all, McAvoy, when he blocked that shot, it was, you hold your breath for a second. You see him go back to the bench and kind of shake it off. So, um, but you see Forbert earlier, you know, a, a while ago, take a, a shot and now he's out for a while. So uh, every time you see a guy, especially McAvoy block a shot, you and, and kind of hobble off the ice, you get a little bit nervous. Obviously he comes back. He's okay. But um, other than that, maybe he's just thoughts on the Zaboral Clifton pair um, and where the Bruins are at with their rotation. I mean, I thought Zaboral and Clifton were better tonight than their previous game together when quite frankly, they were like pretty close to a disaster. Um, but they're facing Columbus, so they should look better. So, you know, I still, I don't think it's a pairing you'd really want to have to use in the playoffs, but for now, yeah, you want to give them at least a few games together and see what they can do because it might have to be an option at some point. Like as of right now, Zaboral, it seems is still their eighth defenseman, right? They haven't, you know, they haven't called up a Mike Riley or anyone from Providence. They haven't signed Mason Laura yet. I kind of thought that would have already been done. So, you know, we'll see if it maybe gets done Friday or sometime in the next, next couple of days. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Zaboral has to play and you have to put him in spots where he might actually play in the playoffs, right? Like, you're not going to throw him out there on a pairing with like Charlie McAvoy. Like that's, they're never going to play together in the playoffs. So it has to be with someone like Clifton. Um, so yeah, I thought, you know, at least it would, Thursday night was at least a step forward from where they had been. And, you know, we'll probably see them have a few more games together down the, sh- you know, over these last two weeks or whatever. I mean, they still weren't great. Uh, and I did, no. I did, I did notice, Zaboral did take a shift, at least one shift with Carlo at one point. I I, I don't know if that was just to kind of get McAvoy a little bit more rest. I think it happened some point right after the block shot that I was talking about. But Brian, your impressions of that, that Zaboral Clifton pair? Well, I just don't think very highly of Zaboral's game. Um, haven't really for some time. I think he's okay at best, um, but I think he's, in my eyes, nothing more than just a depth defenseman for this team. Um, could be, could he be a number six somewhere else, like Arizona? Sure, but in Boston, I, I just don't really see it with him. Um, don't forget, he was drafted, in, you know, eight years ago now. So, um, and he yeah. obviously fell further down the depth chart when Orloff was outed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I'm more so. I'm I'm more so uh, a curious. Um, about a defenseman that, to my knowledge, is is uh, still isn't a pro, because I think because because Scott and I were talking about Mason Lorai after Ohio State season ended, and just the possibility of potentially him surpassing Zaboral in the depth chart this year, because I don't think it would take much for that to happen necessarily, but the biggest thing that would have to happen is him being signed, which. Again, to my knowledge, has not happened. So I'm curious if um, not to bypass the defensive work done in this game. I guess before we go to Laura, I, one of, one of my takeaways from the Bruins defense tonight, I, I was happy to see Brandon Carlo set up for himself. Um, I just feel like I feel like Brandon Carlo has really um, 
stepped up in a, in a leadership role. He seems more confident in, in, in his abilities. Um, you know, last, last season was, there was some tough sledding for him at times and he just seemed like he was really battling confidence and, and he wasn't playing to the ceiling that he had previously set for himself in years prior. And I feel like this year he's just really, um, he's like the prototypical just young veteran out there um very confident in his abilities very very confident in his role on the team as a leader on and off the ice and i just wanted to comment on that because you know he, he got hit, he got boarded by jenner and you guys talked about that earlier but um yeah i i i, I enjoyed seeing him do that and he's really he's really um embraced his, his role as a shutdown defender and and trying to be a, a really difficult guy to play against on the penalty kill so I wanted to comment on that. Um, but outside of that, I didn't really have too many comments on the Zaboral Clifton pairing just because I don't really think it's anything to look forward to unless somebody were to get hurt. And if that's the case, then hopefully Zaboral just doesn't screw up too badly out there. Yeah, I mean, the the Lori angle, like, it's interesting. Like I said, I, I kind of thought it would have happened by now. Um they still have an open spot on, you know, so you're allowed to have like 50 contracts that can, for players that could play in the NHL. And right now the Bruins have 49, so they still have an open spot. They signed Trevor Kuntar out of BC um, to a deal where his entry-level contract won't kick until next year. So he's not playing games. NHL games this year, he'll go to Providence and he does not use up that last contract spot. So they still have it open. And it, you know, it would seem like Lori is the most obvious choice to take it. Um, another option would be like signing one of the top college free agents, someone who, you know, they think could potentially play NHL games this year, like they did with Mark McLaughlin last year, right? They signed him, got him a few NHL games. Uh, before the playoffs. But I think the guy that they might have done that with uh, just signed with Vancouver, and that's Jason Polin, who was the NCAA's leading goal scorer this year for Western Michigan. Um, he's off the board. So there's a couple, def- you know, a couple defensemen that I think could interest them, but probably not anyone that would play in the NHL this year at this point. So it seems like that spot is Lorai's if, if he signs and um, you know, that they're obviously run. Now we're down to seven games left. So it's like, if you were going to give him any, any NHL games, you know, it's got to happen quickly and, you know, or they could be looking at it and say, you know what, if they sign Lorai, he's just going to play in the AHL. He's going to be part of their, playoff run and you know the next guy called up would be you know a mike riley or a jack Sean, someone who already has some nhl experience that they know better and you know maybe they don't maybe they don't think like laura is ready quite ready for that test or to push for that kind of spot on the organizational depth chart just yet and my thought is that i he has a say in it as well. Like some kids want to try it another year in college. Um, so, you know, that maybe it's him, maybe he's waiting on making a decision. That's, you know, something that's a possibility. Now, do I think that's the most likely 
um, reason, no. Um, because if your team's like, hey, we want you right now, first of all, you burn a year of your rookie contract, um, which helps you financially in the longer term. Uh, and you, know, you get you get to start your NHL career. You get to get paid. You're not getting paid in college. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he has much more motivation to want to sign. Uh, it's an interesting thing to think about um, his season over at Ohio State. So I guess it comes down to uh, whether the Bruins think they need him right away and then potentially whether or not he is holding out for whatever reason. Um, some some guys you really do want to win with their college team if they think they can. Um, uh, but you do see a lot of guys sign early, um, like Trevor Kuntar. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.